Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 31st, 2011. For newcomers, I suggest you look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you'll find hundreds of audios to help you along understanding this massive structure that lies over the whole planet basically and lies in two different meanings of course and it runs all your governments together. It's been there for a long time. And people forget that even at the end of World War II, when they brought the United Nations in, and then in 46, the big signing, uh, every country signed on to its charter and many other little legalities besides that too, to bring in a world government, for those that don't understand that. And, and they, they keep missing it all the time. Like it's just happening now. It's been happening your whole lives long. And, of course, the United Nations was set up by a private organization that was started off by international moneylenders, as opposed to just bankers, uh, based in London. And that was the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Prior to that, when they called themselves a different name, the Milner Group and Rhodes Group, they... Uh, they used uh, they, they set up the League of Nations, the precursor to the United Nations. But their own members said that one world war wasn't enough. People weren't willing to give up their national sovereignty and hand over their accounting of their, all their books to the bankers. Uh, so they had to bring in another war and got their wish because they helped bring it on. They fund all sides of every conflict and they guide the outcomes as well. So help yourself to the audios. There's hundreds of say to choose from with the various books to get a hold of. And uh, the people involved, too, I go over that and the stories of, of how they formed their big clubs and how the foundations work with them. They're really a big branch of them, hundreds of foundations across the world with thousands of non-governmental organizations. This system they call democracy. Democracy is not for the masses and the silent majority. Democracy is for only for those who are organized and have uh, enough people to constantly lobby governments. That's what the new democracy actually is. And that's what we're living through today, a planned society regulated by the big boys. Now, also I should remember, too, to tell you that uh, I am not backed by advertisers. I don't bring them on, and I don't do our personal advertising. So uh, it's up to you, the listeners, to keep me going by buying the books and discs I have for sale at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And for the U.S. to Canada, you can order them by using a personal check or an international postal money order from your post office. Uh, some people send cash. You can use PayPal. You'll find out how to do that on the CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com site. And, uh, and also across the world, you've got Western Union money grant and, again, PayPal. And believe me, straight donations would be certainly welcome right now because uh, the orders are just plummeting as folk lose their jobs all over the place, I guess. Other folks go on holiday, and other ones are into other things, which is okay. But as I say, I can go off and do other things if need be, and it's getting almost to that time. But uh, I try to document and, and give the reasons why we're going through all of the present 
prices, I call it chaos because planned chaos. It gives you the appearance reading every uh, every day's news as a, as a form of chaos. It's meant to be that way. That gets you ready and ready and programmed uh, for the new system that they're actually bringing in. And you're being trained along the new system as you live without knowing it. Most of it sort of drifts into your subconscious through bits and bytes of newscasts. Uh, it's getting you prepared for the new system. They call it global quite openly now. If a few years of the term global, 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 until you, you probably use it yourself, in fact, because we are global. You see, the boys have transcended national boundaries, national sovereignty, and they're bringing in parts of their new world order, which is the unification of the world with the IMF, the World Bank, and the Bank for International Settlements running the whole kit and caboodle along with the World Trade Organization. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. Part of the whole deal of the New World Order is to get everyone in involved, or at least to think they're involved in it. And of course, what they used to, very few folk, you know, really, and the, the majority of people in the public in most countries really bought daily newspapers. It wasn't that many, except those into sports or special things. And uh, But now everyone's into it because of the Internet. And, and again, that was intentional to get you all into it. I mean, who would have thought at the start you'd end up running from page to page from all over the planet looking at the latest crisis? And believe you me, there's been so much crisis going on all your lives, you never knew about it before you got the Internet. That was the whole idea. And if ignorance is bliss to an extent, isn't it? But now that you think if there's a, a tragedy in one country, oh, it's a big deal. And there's a tragedy in another country, it's a big deal. And we forget that this is how the world's always been. We've always had earthquakes. We've always had hurricanes and tornadoes, etc. But now it suddenly seems new because you're reading more and more about it. And you're reading what's happening in far-off lands where before they never bothered to report it. So it makes you feel that you're involved in something. And that was part of the agenda of the big boys that gave us the Internet. Because we forget that that, that ARPA, uh, eventually became DARPA, gave us the Internet. The big military-industrial complex used it for years during the Cold War. And one thing, of course, they'd said long before they gave it to us, even, you know, literally many years before they gave us the Internet, they kept telling us that a system was coming. Brzezinski also said the same thing about communication, that would get everybody involved. And, uh, and, and everybody pretty well is involved now that you can't do without it type of thing. And uh, they forced it on people. Uh, by even for your banking, etc., most folk do it all on the net because they charge you so much if you actually go into the bank. It's big fees just to just to get your book updated. But we're coerced in so many ways without knowing we're actually being coerced. That's the trick of all. And simply reading all this stuff, if you can't really dissect the information you're getting and you have no background information on it, it can really drive you like like stampeding cattle off in different directions. Generally, it's the direction they want you to go off in. And so it's best not to panic. Just realize that all news is meant these days to to stampede you. And when you're stampeded, you see, you're not, you're not sure where you're going, but you, and you don't even know where you're going to end up. But the ones who are stampeding you and guiding the stampede know exactly where you're going to end up. We're all being trained on, on a massive scale now. 
That's why, you know, uh, the big companies that run the Internet, they're definitely are in collusion, or if not part of the military-industrial complex. I believe they actually are part of it. They're part of the NSA. Uh, they've got it all involved because... Uh, because they had to find ways of mass, not just communication, but mass indoctrination. And I've read articles before by some of the big experts who helped design the whole system for the military and that gave it to us, saying that most people can't really dissect information properly. We'll give them information overload and they'll remember bits and bytes, etc. But, but you see, they know the bits and bytes you're going to remember. And that's all that's important. And also, too, most folk never really did take much uh, interest in politics. Once they vote someone in, they can never get it for another few years. Uh, but now you can't get away from it to make sure you hear what, what they're saying today or, or what their scriptwriter has said for them or whatever And in one country and the next. And you can talk all you want about the, the information that's given to you daily, but it's not that exciting after all, really. It's not really. There's nothing that astounds you or amazes you. If you stop and get off the, the, the stampede wagon and think quietly about things. Think quietly about things. It's all technique, you know. And you have to be able to really have the delete button in your mind too and delete an awful lot of junk that's out there because it'll be irrelevant come tomorrow with a whole bunch of new crises to look at. This manufactured crisis. This is the age of crisis creation. And I hope you realize that. There's nothing happening with all the wars that have been going on that weren't planned years ago. Every single one of them. I've gone through the new American Century Project plan for all the countries they said they'd take down, and they've followed that script exactly. And then the next president comes in, and he's congratulated by Rumsfeld for carrying on the same script by taking down the rest of the nations that were on the list. So when Jefferson said, when you see the same policies continue between changes in the House... That's in the Congress, the parties. They know you're under tyranny, but it doesn't register with most people. Government is so remote from the general public. The real government is so remote. Like Bertrand Russell said, they are a different species. They become a different species. They don't talk our language. They don't uh, they understand what we're saying because they, their own experts make sure we're all prattling on about the things they give us to prattle on about. Like, ooh, and ah, oh, oh, we're getting stiff now. My God, oh, look at the taxis. Ooh. They know all that stuff, but but, uh, but we don't know what they're really up to unless you go into their big, big plans, which often come out when bureaucrats and high-level bureaucrats and politicians leave office. More on the bureaucratic line, they're more they're getting more data than the, the politicians. The politicians all have their boots, ghosts written for them. Uh, that's how they get a lot of their kickbacks. And that's why they get 5 to $10 million in advance before the book's even published. That's a kickback, folks. It's for being awfully good to lobbyists and so on. That's the world we live in. It's a very corrupt world. Um, the boys at the top, being psychopaths, can actually group together when they have things in common, common goals, like filling their own wallets and having a comfortable life for the rest of their lives and having lots of perks, even after they've retired. Uh, so that's, that's their motivation for working together. Otherwise, they'd be killing each other. That's what psychopaths in power do. Other minor psychopaths, of course, uh, respect those with more power above them just like all those beneath Stalin did, or Lenin, and Hitler too. They admire these people with more power than they have. It's the only thing they respect, and they're jealous of it. And they hate those beneath them with lesser power. They abuse them. 
So that's the, the psychopaths who get up to the top. They're carefully selected for that quality, and that's why they're always so cool. Uh, they don't lose their cool very easily. In fact, they can fall to pieces if they lose their cool. Uh, s- saving their own ego is of vital importance to them. You understand that. They can, they can to themselves, rationalize anything that they do. From from the intelligent psychopath to the, the dumb psychopath at the bottom, they always rationalize what they do. It sounds crazy to everybody else, but to themselves it's good enough for them. And that's why even the low-level ones who like to rape a lot will actually tell you why the woman wanted to be raped. Uh, even if it's a serial rapist, just tell you the same thing. They always save themselves. And that's why politicians, when caught uh, gaffing with their, their hands in the cookie jar or doing something illegal, will always uh, stand up indignantly and give you a good display, like an, almost like a tent preacher of crying or, or almost crying, and then right into indignation again. It kind of takes you aback. They're awfully good actors, but they feel nothing for you. So, unfortunately, we don't test them for psychopathy uh, uh, when we put them in to office. And uh, if, if anybody should be tested mandatorily, it should be these characters, politicians and all bureaucrats and anybody who takes a, a paycheck from uh, through the government, in other words, from the taxpayer. But that will never come. I, can, I can't imagine it ever coming. Now, even the news today is quite something else. Again, they gave us a bit, I've seen about 50 different reports on Fukushima and the fact that uh, uh, the, the radiation now is 10 sieverts an hour and an over because that's all their detectors can go up to is 10 sieverts an hour, which is, so it's the highest reading they're able to record. Folk have, have been dozed mightily over there and it's an incredible tragedy because it's spread through their whole system it's in their water supply, it's in their food supply, and there's no way of getting out of this. Millions are going to die from it. Just there alone, they're going to cross the rest of the world, and um, they're showing all the signs of nuclear uh, radiation poisoning. So uh, these are awful things that should never have happened in the first place, of course, but again, big business and TEPCO, and General Electric that built the, the, these reactors, in fact, uh, went for the cheap ways to build, uh, as they always do, for the highest profit. Uh, and that's what we're left with, is disaster. And it's the public that suffers in more ways than one. And they'll also have to deal with not only the fallout of radiation, but the fallout on, on how to get more power back up again, save their own people if they can. And all of that stuff. This is going to go, go on for generations, this uh, massive thing. If it's on over 10 sieverts an hour, and that's as far as these, these detectors can actually register, well, that means it's way over. It could be 50 sieverts. We have no idea. But it's over the 10, which is a killing. It's death. Uh, and this, what can you say about it? And I'll happen elsewhere, too, as they cut back on costs and costs and higher profits. All of this stuff really, all, all the safety checks and everything in the world went down the drain uh, when they brought in the new bunch that were going to change business and uh, maximize the profits, as they say. And they started going in that way and cutting back, cutting back to bare bones minimum and then crossing their fingers and hoping nothing happened. And, of course, things were, had to happen. So anyway... As I said, you can work your way through all the different articles if you want. You can find them yourself. They're all over the place on the net. And um, 
It's a tragedy, an absolute awful tragedy. Because even children are eating the food and being forced to eat the food that's highly contaminated. And this week I've talked about some of the, mainly the border corruption in the U.S., because it's just escalating like crazy. I guess it's always been there with, with the police, and the police have an, a tremendous reputation, being a brotherhood and all that's where to secrecy to each other. Uh, once they get into corruption and, and organized crime, uh, then uh, they can go on for generations, actually, before they're caught. Or, or sometimes they're never caught. Most of them I don't think ever are. Uh, there's an article today in, in World News, and it's about the second former officer charged in Moon Township prostitution ring. They're running drugs, prostitution, gun running, and here's prostitution rings as well run by them. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix and you know, talking about the corruption in the US, but it's everywhere across the world, isn't it? Because uh, the old religions have gone, you see, and, and at least regardless of all the other power flaws that they had, uh, the old religions gave you a, a culture with, with some idea of what was right and what was wrong, some kind of conscience, you might say. It's all gone, has been gone for a long time, and so out of the general population, these guys are picked to be cops, and uh, they're, they're pretty well given no psyche assessments whatsoever. And uh, we end up the same people from the general population that are just as corrupt, probably. And this is going to get worse and worse as time goes on, which gives governments greater, more, and greater power when everything goes into more chaos. So you create the chaos, and then you, you come up with the solutions to the chaos. Quite simple, really. But as I say, in Pittsburgh, there's a whole bunch of links here. They've been following these cases, and it's got detectives involved. It's got um, the police officers and... And a whole melee of people, different prostitutes, etc., etc., and how they even paid the prostitutes. Uh, massive uh, operation, obviously, and probably going on for an awful long time. So I'll put this link up at the end of the night at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you can go through it all if it excites you or whatever it happens to do or disgust you. And then you find, and, and this is a week too where they've had so many scandals with the sheriffs dealing drugs big time. And, and then you find mayors doing the same thing, and oh, it goes on and on and on. And here's another one. A uniformed officer filmed having sex with women on a car hood while a, a chihuahua watches. And this is what you're, what you're actually seeing here in this little video is how so some of the people pay their fines rather than go off the court. This is how they start to really get their, 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 what they want off the woman. They can make any charge against her, terrify her, and this is what, how you pay them off. That's what you're actually seeing here. It's a uniformed police officer caught on CCTV camera having sex with a woman on the hood of a car. A bizarre scene which was witnessed by a nearby, a nearby Chihuahua was filmed by a hidden camera set up by New Mexico police to catch vandalism at a nearby property. She was walking the dog probably and the guy would get her for trespassing and terrify her and then that's the payoff. Eh? Disgusting, but that is the, the, the world we live in today. And... Um, it says, despite the sheriff's office releasing the photos over a week ago, state police have refused to comment. Uh, probably all they want to know is who was the woman. 
But anyway, that's how bad it is today. It's, it's pretty nasty in society. And then you go into the jobs, of course. We know darn well that the, the Tony Blair came out with it. At least the, the, the persistent prime minister came out with it from the mainstream. I read it on the air from mainstream. And, and he was told by Blair to utterly open the last bit of the floodgates of immigration from across Europe and the world into Britain. Uh, from a diverse cultures, that means really opposing countries, so vastly different cultures that would vastly, it would kill off the British culture forever, any last vestige of it, and even eventually the history of it. And they've done awfully well at that. And of course, that's why Britain advertised, and I mean advertised for 30 years, that if you want good welfare and you're, and you're refugee shopping or, uh, you know, migrant shopping, come to Britain. And this is nine out of ten jobs created last year went to foreign nationals in Britain. So this is nine out of ten people who joined the workforce last year were foreign nationals, official figures revealed yesterday. The number is far higher than had been previously thought. The British nationals account for only a tiny fraction of the rise in employment amongst working age people, with most new workers being immigrants. They get preferential treatment through the British system because they want to kill off the British system. This Tony Blair's guy said it. Last night's experts warned there would be a, a jobless recovery. And how would you get in a recovery without jobs eh? for British workers unless ministers get to grips with immigration? They've said this for years, but it won't happen because there's an agenda at work, and it's not what you think. Most folk think, well, you know, there's just people looking for work. No, no, no. That's not that at all. Chancellor George Osborne frequently points out that Britain has achieved one of the best records for job creation amongst developing countries in the past 12 months. Well, it has for immigrants. <laughs> and that's how it's done. I can remember John Cretien when he was the Prime Minister of Canada uh, for the Liberals. And I always, I cannot say liberal without always thinking about Khrushchev who said, well, we don't call them communists in America, we call them liberals. But anyway, John Cretien uh, ran on, on the premise that he would not get into NAFTA. He would do it. Of course, once he was in two weeks later, he says, Cretin has become the champion, just like Mulroney did as well. They both lied, but that's what politicians do. But Cretin used to wave about this little red book, just like Matsu Tungman and his school children used to more quoting out the red books. Like the whole secret of, of Karen's success was held in this little red book kept flapping about, but he'd never tell you what was in it. And it, 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 anyway, it went on about jobs, jobs, jobs. When he said the NAFTA deal, and or, or they'd all signed it before him, but he just upped it a bit. And also to do with the World Trade Organization, etc., that would export the jobs to China. And, and that's what he kept on about. This is going to create jobs, jobs, jobs. He says, and he did, he did indeed make them, but it was all in China. So this is a similar thing too. Uh, jobs, jobs, jobs for Britain, but it's all for recent immigrants. So the new figures raise questions about whether the government's drive to get millions of, off benefits and into work can be achieved without further curbs on immigration. They also increase pressure to reform the bloated benefits system. But anyway, it goes on with its usual figures, etc. But I tell you, the, the young folk have got the hardest time because uh, they can't get jobs. This is employment uh, levels amongst British nationals rose by just 14,000 or less than 8% of the total. And um, it goes on and on and on. But yet yeah, the young folk are getting the hardest time. Uh, that's why that's why suicide is so high too. It is also in America, by the way, because I know folk who harvest organs, and they tell me that uh, they never had so many uh, donors, like they call them, um, of young people committing suicide. And uh, and what's really surprised them now, a lot of young women are joining them as well. That never used to happen. They're actually killing themselves.
So that's that's what you got there is, is the big boys get what they want. Uh, and I, of course, they'll come in. It's amazing that every crisis you see they create gives more power to this new European Parliament that runs all these countries that comes out with a solution, which is always closer integration, closer integration. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix. The big boys, too, the globalists like to use different countries for different parts of their experiments before they give it to everyone else. And, of course, they used Australia. They're using Australia now for the carbon taxes and carbon sinks and all of that, and farmers can't plant and all. Yeah, what a mess it is. Because Julia Gillard, or Gillard is awfully... Well, she sticks by her book, and none's going to budge her, budge her because of her massive, incredible ego, you see. She's got a lot to prove, you see. Too much, actually. But anyway, it says, uh, Prime Minister Julia Gillard, or Gillard has taken aim at what she says is the Americanization, this is an interesting article, of Australia's rancorous political debate. And what she means by that is folk are actually protesting in the streets. And, of course, uh, that's what you're supposed to do in democracies. Recent anti-carbon tax rallies in Canberra and Sydney have featured coffins, ditch the witch signs, and Julia uh, chants in an echo of similar angry scenes at right-wing Tea Party rallies in the U.S. Ms. Gillard was asked at a community forum in Sydney last night whether these kinds of attacks demeaned her office and Australia's democracy. The Prime Minister at first was a little hesitant to respond, saying her critics would target her for being thin-skinned. I don't like it when I get a sense of a kind of, with all apologies to her American friends, a kind of Americanizations of our debate, she said. See, they don't like the public being involved in anything. That's that standard British Commonwealth-type policy. But I don't like it when I get a sense of a kind of, of, of Americanization of the debate. Says, it's not in us generally. She likes the people sitting back and have cut with the beer, you know. I don't think uh, to talk about people's revolt and, and very, very harsh words of the nature that we've seen in the public debate. It is in us to have a robust public debate. We have politicians come from overseas and look at our question time and go, it's a robust go. And that is an Australian way of doing it, she said. I don't think it helps us as a nation deal with some complicated questions. Well, what questions are there? They're going to stick it to the general public, and that's the end of it, right? Uh, I think there's a a temper and and tone question, which, you know, we want to be uniquely our own and uniquely Australian. I'm not sure we're seeing that on display now. Well, it's maybe time Australians did get up uh, and start participating, especially when they're going to get screwed for more cash for this farce called uh, carbon taxes, and um, and tell her where to go, basically. But federal opposition leader Tony Abbott has rejected, uh, rejected suggestions polit- uh, politics is more brutal, brutal telling Fairbanks Radio the public and the opposition are simply fed up with the current government. No, it's, it's also the policies. It wouldn't matter who comes in. If they keep the same policies, you'll get the same response, hopefully, of this so-called Americanization of uh, people's involvement. The role of opposition leader involves a lot of criticism, and I think sometimes you pay the price of having to be the nation's official critic-in-chief, he said. 
but the party is doing extremely well. The government is monumentally in difficulties. Last night on 7.30, former Prime Minister John Howard rejected the notion that politics was more brutal now than it has ever been. He says, I was there in 1975. It was pretty brutal then, he said. And it's fairly brutal at various stages of the Hawks government. So I don't think it's any more brutal. I think we have to preserve a sense of perspective, he says. Well, if the public don't uh, get involved and protest, they, they will get screwed. That's the history of the planet, basically. And it's unfortunate there's really not enough Americans and definitely not enough Canadians doing the same darn thing as uh, taxes increase all over the place. Uh, companies are scamming great profits in, and the governments love it because of the value-added tax called GST, and which so the prices go up, but they get a bigger percentage of income from the taxes because that goes up as well with each item sold. Everything's a con, isn't it? And... This is an article, too, about, um, it says, Always beware politicians who hit upon a cover story for higher taxes. They'll seize it with gusto. This is in 1993, the Chancellor Ken Clark was the first to use climate change as an excuse to take your money. He invented something called the fuel duty escalator. Since then, we have had three more chances, but no change in the final result. Families are still getting hit with ever higher taxes on everything from driving to work to lighting and heating their homes and even taking hard-earned holidays for those that can afford the holidays. Green taxes have become a con that British families just can't afford with so many other pressures on their finances. The biggest green tax is still fuel duty, which raised £27 billion in 2010 for the government. With value-added tax as well on both the fuel and the fuel duty, taxes about 60% of the price at the pump. 60% taxes. One of the, the highest ratios in the world. Motorists also pay nearly £6 uh, billion pounds in road tax. You, pay the, you, know, you have to pay road tax every year. Add up all the domestic green taxes and they raise, they raise £39.3 billion pounds to date so far. If we assume that it's fair enough for motorists to pay for building and maintaining roads, that leaves £30.1 billion of excess revenue. Oh, they've never got excess revenue at government. They're always broke, don't you know, except for the occasional award. They find it in the, you know, the back seats and the, you know, the, the politicians' seats in the, in the House or something like that. They suddenly find it all, don't they? Those additional taxes on top of all the income tax and value-added tax we pay are supposed to be justified by the contributing um, uh, greenhouse gases make to global warming. But even using a high official estimate of the environmental benefit of cutting a ton of greenhouse gases, well, you can't cut that, then you'd, you'd die. You see, you need most of the greenhouse gases because, you see, actually you need all of them because the, 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 that's part of your natural atmosphere. Most of it's water, by the way. Britain's collective carbon footprint of 582 million tonnes causes harm worth around 16.9 billion. Well, it's all bogus. It's like taking a a magic figure, which they did, 582 million tonnes. Who's measuring this? And causes harm worth around 16.9 billion pounds. What a a nonsense, isn't it? Merlin would laugh his head off. This means uh, Green's taxes are excessive by a massive 13.2 billion pounds, equivalent to 500 pounds for every family in Britain. So... It says, if you want to get away from it all, it says, I, I, I don't think you can escape from the taxman. For a family of four air passengers, duty costs £40 for flights to Europe. You pay the greenhouse carbon taxes on that too. It says, and another £340 for Australia for your carbon taxes. I can remember Prince Charles taking a, a private a flight somewhere, and they brought his Rolls Royce Rolls with him too. 
and they worked out the carbon he would uh, pay if he had to pay it, that is, but he's exempt. <laughs> he's nearer to God than anybody else. But that's the world they live in, isn't it? It's all farce and comedy except for the ones who are soaked at the bottom end up poor and uh, and the ones at the top laugh their heads off. It's like Francis Bacon said. You know, Francis Bacon used to write a form of treatises to the to kings trying to get jobs. And um, and he wrote a bunch of recommendations, kind of Machiavellian style, to show how clever he was at conning the public. And he said that it's best in all, all affairs of state that the public never really know what's really going on. And that's never been any different. Haiti, uh, it's quite interesting, they had a massive cholera outbreak there after the UN went in. It says, genome study confirms the UN troops brought cholera to to Haiti. Uh, It says, uh, a a comparison that Danish and US researchers have made of the whole genomes of cholera bacteria found in patients in Haiti and Nepal, um, and in Nepal, provides nearly conclusive evidence that Nepalese soldiers in the United Nations Stabilization Mission in Haiti um, were the inadvertent cause of cholera outbreak that's killed more than 6,000 Haitians. Mind you, they didn't mention the fact, I think, um, because they always bring in um, the World Health Organization to immunize folk immediately when either after they bombed the country or in after natural disaster, they always come and inoculate everyone. And I, I I wouldn't put that out either, by the way. I'd always take that into consideration. The genomes are practically identical. Harvard University microbiologist John Michalalanos told the magazine Science, this is as close as you can get to molecular proof. The first cases of cholera were reported in October 2010 around the city of Mirabele and Haitia's central plateau. Local people blamed Minister troops, at the, as they call the ones from the UN, at a base when they said that they had fecal matter and it had leaked into uh, a nearby river. The soldiers at the base had recently arrived from Nepal right after an outbreak of cholera there. Well, that makes common sense. Huh? On the ground research by a French epidemiologist, Dr. Renaud Parou, supported the Haitian suspicions, as have subsequent studies, but minister spokespeople have repeatedly denied uh, that the UN can never deny, they can never admit that they've caused a problem anywhere, do they? So more than 6,000 people are dead. That's what, that's what, call, that's what killed 6,000 people. And um, that's the way it's going. So they'll, they'll be after compensation and good luck to them. They'll probably never see it because they're not important enough. And that's how things are in this world. The southern New Mexico mayor, police chief, uh, arrested on weapons charges. Another one here, you know. The mayor, the, for, uh, the police chief, and a city councilman in the small New Mexico border town of Columbus were arrested on firearm, firearm trafficking charges. The rest were part of raids by agents for the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms and Explosives, which is quite funny since they were the biggest suppliers of guns <laughs> recently got, got to, and the Drug Enforcement Administration. So far, the exact charges on Mayor Eddie Espinosa, City Council Member Ross Gutierrez and Police Chief uh, Angelo Vega have not been released to the press. KOAT reported, currently U.S.'s Attorney Office, the men face firearms violations and drug trafficking charges. A total of 11 people were reportedly arrested. And says Coat also reported that New Mexico ICE ICE is conducting operations in Columbus, New Mexico. The arrest in Columbus came a day after the prosecutors indicted 35 members of the Barrio Azteca gang in El Paso 
and southern New Mexico. Among those indicted were 10 charged in connections with the killing of three people, including two Americans linked to the U.S. consulate in Juarez last year. Columbus is a town just miles north of the United States and Mexico border. It's best known as being the town that Pancho Villa raided in 1916. Now it's quite a deal, that Pancho Villa thing, wasn't it? Because it was for the first time they actually got the press involved in the early moving camera. And, they, they, of course, he'd pose on his horse and jump up and down just like the Westerns do. And everybody would go, wow, wow. And uh, it was quite a pantomime. But... That's the world we're living in, as I say. It's getting more and more corrupt. At least the evidence is coming out more and more. They can't even hide it from each other anymore. That's really what's happening. And they at least give us a pretense that they're doing something about it. Another article, too, is about BP, uh, British Petroleum. And it's way back, it was in May, uh, May 2007, actually. They, made a, a, they agreed for a deal for major exploration and production deals with Libya. Now, it's strange these treaties still stand, you know, after uh, countries change governments or have had a coup or whatever, uh, because this will come through. So BP's obviously got the biggest uh, uh, contract there, and that will be held to, to, to the law, as they say, the strange mercantile law that they have. It was the same when Britain basically rented Hong Kong for 99 years lease. And sure enough, at the end of that 99 years, when uh, when governments had changed, the communists were, had taken over the country, uh, they still held to that agreement and gave it back to the Chinese. They immediately got to work and, and killed off a whole bunch of dissidents, as they called the people who didn't like it. They wanted democracy. They handed them all over to, well, for their, their awful fate. And this article here is um, has to do with, uh, which one was it now? It's a big one here. Oh, it's the one, Columbus one. Okay, anyway, scared. Scared Mexicans try under-the-skin tracking devices. It's quite an interesting article. Now, we know from previous articles over the years that Mexico and, and the government there were trying to get all their members to use these under-the-skin tracking devices because so many of them get kidnapped down there. It's just, a, it's just a thing that you take for granted is that you walk out the door every morning and kiss the wife goodbye. And um, uh, it's, it's corruption. It's, it's a normal thing in Mexico. They don't see it as the same way we do. It says... Uh, uh, Querétaro, Mexico, of all the strange circumstances surrounding the violent abduction last year of Diego Fernandez de Quivelas, uh, the Mexican power broker and former presidential candidate known here as Big or Boss Diego, uh, perhaps nothing was weirder than the mysterious tracking chip that the kidnappers allegedly cut from his body. Now, there's a danger, obviously, when they want to put these chips in you. Uh, it's no time at all. The bad guys always know where it's going to be. And if you don't tell them what they want to know, they simply cut it, they slice it out of you or cut your arm off or wherever it happens to be buried. It's quite easy, isn't it? You've even seen that in the movies when they, they cut off the hands now uh, and use the fingers to, to palm, or the hands to palm scan uh, or, or take the eyeballs out in some of these movies, these sci-fis, and show the eyeball in front of the scanner and then they walk through. Anyway, lurid Mexican... Media accounts report that an armed gang invaded Fernandez's home, sliced open his arm with a pair of scissors, and extracted a satellite-enabled tracking device. Satellite-enabled, eh? Leaving the chip and a streak of blood behind. So the chip was of no value. But anyway, 
He was freed seven months later with little explanation, but the gruesome details of his crude surgery have not dissuaded thousands of worried Mexicans from seeking out similar satellite and radio frequency tracking products, including scientifically dubious chip implants, as abductions in the country soar. According to Reese, and they want to merge this with the U.S. <laughs> I mean, oh, well, you know, Jack Satali said this in his books that uh, this was hordes. He said would invade um, uh, America until a good portion of the of the USA was Mexican speaking. That's on the cards. This is from a guy at the United Nations. This is agenda. According to a recent Mexican congressional report, kidnappings have jumped 317 percent in the f- past five years. More alarming, perhaps, is the finding that police officers and soldiers were involved in more than one-fifth of the crimes, contributing to widespread perceptions that authorities can't be trusted to solve the crimes or recover uh, missing loved ones. They're all on the take, eh? Under the skin, devices such as the one allegedly carved out of Boss Diego uh, are selling here for thousands of dollars on the promise that they can help rescuers track down kidnapping victims. Zega, the Mexican company that sells the chips and performs implants, says it sales have increased 40% in the past two years. Well, it just goes to show you, I mean, fear can do amazing things. And of course, they'll bring it everywhere else too, using fear tactics as well. Fear of not getting into your bank account or, or getting into your workplace or fear of, of, of signs will go off if you, if you don't have your proper chip, your government ID chip, and you walk into a supermarket and the guys will just jump you, you know, because you're not authorized, you don't have a chip. Unfortunately, it's been good for business, but bad for the country, said Zigo Executive Diego Curry, referring to the kidnappings. 30% of her clients arrive after someone in their family has already experienced a kidnapping. Added Curry interviewed the company's heavily fortified offices opposite a tire shop in this industrial city, 120 miles north of Mexico's capital. You can get different deals. You can also get the VIP package for $2,000 up front and annual fees of $2,000. The company provides clients with a subdermal radio frequency identification chip, essentially a small antenna and a tiny glass tube. The chip inserted into the fatty tissue of the arm between the shoulder and elbow is less than half an inch long and about as wide as a strand of boiled spaghetti. The chip releases a signal to an external global positioning system unit the size of a cell phone, Curie said. But if the owner is stripped of the GPS device in the event of an abduction, Zia can still track down its clients by sending radio signals to the implant. The company said it's rescued 170 clients in the past decade, probably in pieces, I bet you. Anyway, we'll be back after this break. Folks, we're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, and we'll go to John from New York, who's been hanging on there. Hey there, John. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Can you call, uh, I got a, cop, uh, a copy of Magnum Opus, or The Great Work, by Albert Pike. Yeah. And on the cover, I was hoping if you could shed some light on this symbol, on two symbols, actually. It's a heart with an arrow going through it, and then fire coming out. Does that mean anything? Well, the heart's used in many of their symbols. Uh, the, the, the heart's used for... Um, you often see, too, one of their symbols is a, is a pelican, actually, mother. Uh, and the, the young are actually 
eating from her breast, basically eating that is like blood from the heart. And, and in other words, from from the the great God that's behind all all, all gods, basically that is which behind all that uh, is their master. And this this deity gives to the right people, of course, uh, love, and it gives them power. That's really what it means. So it's uh, it's not just a cupid arrow going through the heart. It, it's more than that. It also means you're pierced in a sense, has come come into you. Uh, so it's, it's done that. It's, that's really what the symbol is about. But they've got lots of symbols. If you go into the earlier Rosicrucian symbols that came out in about the 1500s. Uh, right to the present day, you'll see all of these same kind of messages through maybe 150 different symbols telling you the same thing over and over again. And it's also a symbol to the brother that you must give everything, including your heart, to the brotherhood. Uh, there's no, you hold nothing back, nothing back at all. Yeah, they want a whole, a wholehearted, you might say, uh, de- devotion to the brotherhood. Uh, that's really what it means. Yeah. Hello? Yes, hello? Yes. Any, anything else? There's a seven-pointed star with a triangle in, in the middle with a man's face, and then it has words around that say Terra as an Earth, I think, and a bunch of other stuff. Seven-pointed star. Yeah, seven. seven uh, see, Albert Pike used an awful lot of uh, Kabbalah in his, and he mentions that in his book, of course. And uh, Kabbalah has seven as a, as a, as a number for, uh, for basically for balance, you might say, or harmony. Harmony is the actual term that they use. So it, it means harmony. Anything inside it is in harmony with whatever they're showing you. And, and, and they ever see a nine one nine pointed is, is completion. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, all right, cool. So, all right, and also in, in this book, there's some sort of Egyptian writing. Where can I go to learn what those letters mean? You're going to get a book by, he was the British uh, Museum, for the British Museum and Royal Society, Edward E. Budge is his name. Uh, you'll find he has uh, books on Egyptian translations. Mm. Yeah, he was the, he was the, the foremost uh, translator for Egyptology for the British Museum as well. Mm. Yeah, and here it says Albert Pike, the greatest and most maligned Freemason that ever lived. Well, he certainly worships, incredibly worships. Uh, he was, was supposedly a, a southern general in the Civil War, but nothing civil about it, mind you. But uh, uh, even so, he's up there with his statue at Washington, D.C., and uh, just down the road, actually, his, his museum is just down from the, the Congress. Uh, just just uh, a little walk away, and all the big guys take a walk to see all the the temple I call it of Albert Pike, the, the actual lodge itself. Yeah. Very important guy. Thanks for my call, man. And thanks for calling from Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada. It's good night, may your God or your God's go with you. <laughs>